I, uh, I did a podcast uh, yesterday, and I, I do one every day. Some days I do two, but uh, right when I sat down at the microphone, turned that thing on, uh, I had my notes, you know, got a few notes I tried to put down, and uh, the moment I opened my mouth, nothing on my notes would come out. <laughs> so, I mean, God hijacked it, so to speak, so it's kind of cool. Y'all, we are living in an amazing day. Uh, you know, what I was reminded of, we were having praise and worship, and I was kneeling in the back. This is like March of 2015, so that's not quite six years ago when we had a prayer meeting on a Saturday. And uh, I was kneeling. I like to kneel when I pray. I was kneeling, praying in the Spirit. And while I was praying in the Spirit, I can still see it exactly the way I saw it that morning. And I saw, I saw like a front cloud uh, uh, just this way and, and, you know, there it is. And it's coming this way and, 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 and I could just tell that, 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 you know, a front changes the atmosphere, right? When a front comes and, you know, it, it, whatever kind of front it is, it'll be colder, whatever, when it passes over. And I just knew, I didn't know exactly what God was saying, but just now, see, we're in the middle of a front cloud. There's a change. And I had a meeting, a little meeting with my staff today just to talk about current events and such and just kind of what the Bible says about it. I'll share some of that maybe at some point with y'all. But, um, you know, we're just living in a, a time of extraordinary change. And uh, Jesus is coming back. It really seems apparent to me that he's coming back. And so things are changing. You don't have to be concerned about the change because, listen, God's got a plan to take care of us in the middle of all this. How many hear me? So don't focus on the negative. Focus on what God's doing. If you focus on the stuff around you, you'll get discouraged like everybody else. <laughs> what are we going to do? No, don't do that. You can, but you'll get whipped if you do that. But if you'll focus on God, his kingdom, and, and ministering life to other people, God needs you to minister to your friends right now. How many hear me? So uh, anyway, we do have, um, so Father, in Jesus' name, take us where we need to go tonight. I got so many things, uh, so many avenues I feel. So help us to go down the proper avenue here in Jesus' name. And we commit this time to you and just thank you for your love and mercy, your grace, your goodness, your kindness, your favor, your explosive love and joy. And that's what we're going to experience this year is uh, just explosive joy. Unspeakable, Peter said. Let it come in the room. Thank you, sir. Well, uh, so there's some volatility, as I mentioned Sunday. I still encourage you again, uh, just have some food and water at home for a period of time. You know, we'll get through this and things will eventually come back to some semblance of okay and normal, but... You know, we got a path of somewhat volatility. I'm not going to de in de detail on that because I don't think I need to, but just be aware of that because uh, it's a, a really divisive time. You haven't noticed, so I'm praying for God to do something big in our nation and in the people. And th uh, listen, times like this can create a real sense of desperation and hunger in people, and uh, and people don't know what to do. And uh, that's why your light in you shines really bright right now. How many hear me? So, so man. Wake up in the morning, spend time with the Lord, read the Word, pray, uh, go somewhere. Uh, you know, sometimes I still do it, walk back and forth, pray out loud, and just talk to the Lord, sing to Him, and uh, the presence of God will come on you, and that God will use you in your day to minister to others. Is that good? I, uh, I want to read something here. 
I had something happen, and I want to share. I felt led of the Lord to do this. Now, I'm, I'm going to go back to Revelation 16 at some point, but during the fast, I'm not. We're going to concentrate and focus on uh, just some spiritual realities that we need to know about. So uh, tonight, God has led me to 1 Peter chapter 5. Here's my old leather-bound Bible with all my notes on the, in the margins. So I've had this for many years. Uh, first, uh, first Peter chapter 5, uh, Peter uh, mentions this, Likewise, you younger, verse 5, Submit to your elders. Yes, all of you should be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. This is not a time to be haughty. And this is not a time to be a know-it-all. This, this, is a, this is a time to be a humble person. This is a time to yield to God and say, Lord, teach me what I don't know. Take me where I haven't been. How many get that? So, so if you've got a heart, say, God, talk to me. And this is a time not to tell everybody what you know and, and not to brag. Sometimes people brag about things they know, places they've been, experiences. It's not a time to brag it's not a time to show off. It's not a time. And sometimes people show off spiritually. You ever been around a spiritual show off? No, no. This is a time just to love people, let people talk. And while they're talking, you can pray under your breath. God, what would you, what would you do in this person's life? And you'll be amazed. This is the time God will use you to minister life to people in just amazing ways. So, so it is really a time of, uh, that we should be humble. And I really was drawn to what he said here. Um, all of you, be submissive to one another. You could, you could say that, listen to each other. Listen to what other people have to say. Listen to their questions. Listen, listen to their concerns. Listen to their challenges. And just, and just let the other person talk, right? Uh, I'm I love to talk, so I'm challenged with that, you know, because I usually have a lot that won't come out my mouth. But I've learned, just let them talk. Be submissive to one another. And then it says, be clothed. Uh, with humility. Again, that word clothe, New Testament, is, is speaking of, of, of wearing something like a garment. And the idea behind that is when you wear something, Susan gave me this new shirt for Christmas. Well, when you see me, you see this shirt. Uh, when you're clothed with humility, that's the first, pe first thing people see when they see you. Well, that's a humble person. So could they, they say that about you now, the way you interact with others? Could they say, I'm humble? See, so, so you say, well, I don't know. Well, take it to the Lord and say, Lord, if there's a haughty place in me, a braggadocious place in me, uh, a place in me that needs to be, you know, needs to vent, seen, be seen, heard, you know, uh, work that out of me and help me to be a person that's humble in your sight, that'll listen to others. How many get it? It's really, it's really important today. I, I can't emphasize hardly enough. Then he says, um, Latter part of that verse, here we are again. Likewise, you younger submit to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility for God resists the proud. God stands against the proud. Anybody here want God to stand against you? Um, how about, you know, God resists. How about God leaves you alone? Well, you think you know everything. You figure it out yourself then. I'll just be quiet. I won't speak to you. I won't be talking to you. You got it all figured. You got life figured out. You got the bull by the horns. Fine. You do it. You're on your own. Anybody want that? Not me. So, you know, so he says again, uh, God resists the proud, but, but gives grace to the humble. Now, now grace, somebody defined grace 30 years ago. I was uh, reading after a guy studying after him. He defined grace. 
There's an empowerment in grace. Grace is not just God's riches at Christ's expense, a little acronym we use that I learned in Bible school 40-something years ago. Grace is everything Jesus provided for us at the cross, but grace is also an empowerment. And so this guy defined grace as God's ability to help you do what you can't do yourself. Isn't that awesome? So if we're humble, God resists the proud, sets himself against the proud, but, but gives divine empowerment to the humble. So, so, you know, Lord, what I don't know, show me. What I haven't seen, show me. Where I haven't been, take me. In a way I haven't ministered, move me that direction. <laughs> help me. If you do that every day, you'll be amazed how the Lord will absolutely help you. So then he says, verse 6, therefore, humble, he mentions it again. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. How many know if you humble yourself, due time always comes? And, and you know, there is an exaltation. What does that mean? Well, there's a place where you become so settled in God uh, that nothing moves you, and then the ministry that he has inside of you just ekes out with ease. So, so, so again, he says, uh, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. The hand of God is talking about the power of God. It's the hand of the Lord that brought us salvation. You'll notice that phrase in the Old Testament a number of times. So he says, um, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, the rule of God, you could say, uh, that he may exalt you in due time. And then verse 7, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. The word casting um, uh, in other places in the New Testament, I don't want to take a lot of time. It really means to fling away from us. It's the idea of you got something, it's yours, but you don't want it anymore, and you don't even want to see it anymore. Just get rid of it. And that's, that's the idea behind that word, casting all your care. Now, that word care is really interesting, and I'm, I'm saying this for a reason. I'll get to my point in a minute. Not even to my point yet. <laughs> that, that casting all your care, that word care uh, could be translated distractions. It really means to be divided. That is, it's a mind that goes two different directions almost simultaneously. Have you ever, ever uh, been talking to somebody and then one of your children or grandchildren pulls on your britch's leg or your skirt if you're a lady and starts talking to you or somebody else is talking to you or somebody comes up while you're listening intensely to something and they're saying something to you and you're trying to listen to both at the same time? You, you, that's, that's that word. See, so, so, so he says, casting all the distractions of the mind, casting all your cares upon him. And, and that word again, to be distracted. So uh, if, if Mark 4, 19, the, um, the parable of the sower, um, uh, verse 19, the cares of this world, King James says, the deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things that enter in, choke the word, um, the cares of this the cares of this world, the distractions of the age. And, and we are so distracted today. You get what I'm saying? And, and it, is, it keeps the word from working. So he says here, casting all your distractions, those thoughts that bombard you, that produce fear. Now we have a fear-bound nation right now, a fear-bound world. I have never in my life seen such fear in people. And I haven't seen it back up a whole lot. What you listen to has a lot to do with how fear controls you. God's not given us a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7, but of power, 
love and a sound mind. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever puts his trust in the Lord, Proverbs says, will be saved. Job 3, 25, that which I, uh, I feared, Job said after he lost everything, that which I feared has come upon me, that which I greatly feared has happened to me. So again, fear opens up a door for the enemy, and he often comes through that, through that avenue of fear, or, or, or it's a distraction, it's divided thoughts, and, and it can cause you to do squirrely things. I've I got to watch the time, but uh, the thing that came earlier, I was thinking about this, and uh, <clears throat> this is back, I think it was 1997, the first time I met Jim Zirkel, the Living Water Teaching in Guatemala. He was here. He had, uh, he had his uh, DC-3 aircraft, and one of the engines had gone out on his aircraft, and he had to have it replaced. And so he was uh, in North Carolina. He wasn't stuck, but he was here, so he's looking for places to minister. He called me on a Saturday. And, uh, and uh, asked, me to, uh, asked me to meet with him and had never met me before. We hadn't supported a ministry yet, I don't believe. And this was, uh, man, it was probably May of 1997. And I was a young man at the time. I had hair, I had a mustache. And so, you know, so, so we, we're going to meet. We're going to go to, uh, uh, we were going to a seafood place. This real pop, a, a chain seafood place. Red Lobster, thank you. We were going to Red I met him. He wanted to go to Red Lobster. I said, okay. So I went to withdraw some cash at the ATM uh, to, to meet him, you know. And uh, he's going to pay cash for the meal. <clears throat> so I went up to my ATM and punched in my passcode and uh, PIN number. And, uh, <laughs> and you know what it said? No money. <laughs> I said, wait a minute. I just got paid. What is this? <laughs> Never not had money. What is it? You stole my money. Uh, and what I did was, well, two things. Number one, I was so distracted that when I, and I paid my bills instead of like you do online, I, I wrote checks for everything and then balanced my checkbook with every single bill, you know, the old school method, you know, I was doing that. And, uh, and I, I wrote down the whole amount in my checking account, left over after to pay the previous bill. And then the next bill was the electric company. And so, because I had looked at the whole amount that was in my checking account right here, I made the next check out to the electric company, the whole amount of my checking account. Yeah, I know, right? Now, why did I do that? Because I was so distracted. Susan and I had four children. They were young. They were really young. I was busy. The church was taking off. We were in the shopping center, but I mean, I was... You know, I'd catch somebody coming in the door, and it was me. I mean, I'm just busy, you know what I'm saying? Just always something going on. I mean, just hardly enough time to do everything, and I'm like distracted. And I was, see, I'm so distracted I did that. <clears throat> well, when I went to the rest, I said, well, I use my card, you know, thank God for the credit card when you need it. <clears throat> so I went there, you know, and, and uh, went to Red Lobster. And I'm, I'm sitting in front of, um, I'm sitting in front of, uh, of Jim Zirkle, and he's talking to me. And you know what I had to keep doing? Could you say that again? Because <laughs> he's talking, but in my head, I'm thinking, Where, where's, my, where's my money? <laughs> where's my money? I, I don't understand where my money is. So he's talking, and he was talking about the ministry and his airplane and what was going on and how we could help him. And I kept saying, could you say that again? Because I'm thinking, where's my money? Where? It's a distraction. You get the idea? Now, that's what the enemy does. So... Um, so that leads into the next verse here where he says, uh, be sober, <clears throat> be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, 
seeking whom he may devour. Now, I won't be able to exhaust this tonight, but there's a point I want to make. Be sober. Be sober. The margin of this King James Bible here, New King James says, uh, uh, I pointed an error here to the, to the number. Um, be sober. It says self-controlled. Well, you look up that Greek word for sober, it's actually the word for mind. And one Bible expositor translated this this way, be free from mental intoxicants. Hence, the King, New King James used the word be sober. Be mentally self-controlled. Be free from mental intoxicants. Worry will intoxicate you and try to take you over. Fear can intoxicate you. So I'm not talking about physical. When's the last time you were intoxicated mentally? Or are you intoxicated mentally now with distractions? Does that make sense? That's the way the enemy runs, and that's the way he does it. So he says, be sober, be vigilant. That word uh, vigilant, um, watchful. Or one translation says, be ever on your guard. Now, why do you say that? Because there's an adversary that, that wants to come in. And, and now I'm going to change. He wants to make inroads. I got a lot more to say about that verse. I want to change a minute though. And uh, he wants to make inroads into a person's life. Uh, Ephesians 6. Listen to this. Verse uh, 11. First he says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wilds, the King James says, New King James, the wilds, uh, schemings, stratagems, other translations bear. The wilds of the devil. I've got it in the margin of this Bible here because I looked the word up. The Greek word for wilds is the word methodia, methods. Or meta means with in the Greek and, and, and odos. We get our word odometer. It means a road. So what's it saying? Satan comes with a road. He comes with the road of distraction. He can come down the road of pride. Pride will open you up for this. You think you got life figured out, you better get on your face. Because you don't have it figured out this year. I've been in ministry since 1981. I, you know, I could say I got it figured out. No, uh, uh, uh. I'm taking everything I am and say, okay, Jesus, this is a different day. That cloud's gone over. The atmosphere's changed. Things are different. Jesus is coming back. What are we going to do? How many get it? So be mentally self-controlled. Be ever on your guard because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. And so what does he do? He comes with a road. And that's what he said here in Ephesians 6, 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the inroads of the devil. He comes with a road. What is the road that the enemy uses to, to get into your mind? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, listen to this, very interesting. Lest Satan should take advantage of us because we are not ignorant of his devices. Now that word devices is really interesting. It's, it's also the base word for that is the Greek word for mind, noema. And 
It means to exercise the mind, mind, thought, perception, uh, that which is thought out. One person aptly translated this, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his mind games. You get it? So, so, so this, this, is where, this is where the world is right now. The enemies come in uh, like a flood, or the enemies come in, you can put the comma where you want to, and like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises a standard against them. I like that one better. But the enemies come in. Revelation 12 says he's come down uh, with great wrath, knowing he has but a short time. I'm leading up to a point here. So that road that Satan travels to try to get into a human life is thoughts. So here, said all that to say this, here's the way the enemy attacks. He'll put a thought in your mind and then try to back that up with feelings because thought and feelings go hand in hand. And the way he does this is he'll do both at the same time and overwhelm your humanness. So uh, I was, you know, fairly ignorant about how this worked to some degree. Even after having known the Lord for a long time, first, minist- uh, first missions trip I went on was in <clears throat> not, uh, June, uh, June, I left June 24th, 1993. I was pastoring a church in my hometown for a pastor who was over in Leopia, Latvia. His name's Carl Morris. <clears throat> and I was going to see him and give him an update on the church he left that he's coming back to a year later. I was pastoring in his stead. I promised him that I wouldn't steal his church from him. I'd not promote myself. I'd promote him, his ministry, the Lord Jesus, and preach the word. And so I went to give him a report. And uh, so I got there, and, and Le- Leopaya is a, is, a, is a seaport town, and, and the Baltic Sea is right there. We went to see the Baltic Sea, and uh, it's a little, it was still a little cold in June there. And uh, so I, I got into my hotel room. I'd never had this experience, but I've had many sins. I got in my hotel room. He let me off. And this was actually my first trip out of, out of America, 1993. I was uh, at the time, in July. I was uh, 34 at the time. And so I got to my room. Carl said bye, took off. I got to my room and uh, bedded down. And uh, the beds are really small in Latvia. I'm a big guy. <laughs> I had to, you know, felt like Abraham Lincoln sitting, can't find a bed long enough. And uh, lay down on my bed. Um, less than an hour later, I was awakened in panic, absolute panic, terror, awful feelings and thoughts flooded my mind. My emotions were awry, and I had no clue what. And, and I went to bed. I was peaceful. I got up. This thing had grabbed me, and it felt just like a panic. And I'd never had that ever. What in the world is this? Wait, 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 wait. So I got up out of bed, and it was cold in the, still cold in the room. And, uh, you know, anyway, uh, started walking back and forth. Said, whoa, 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 what is, what is this? Now, now, I don't know what this is. This got stopped in the name of Jesus. In fact, I just command it to stop. No, I won't have this. Just because you have a thought and a feeling doesn't mean that you yield to it. So what I later found out was a demonic force that came against me. And, uh, you know, in certain parts of the world where they haven't been challenged for a while, Soviet Union had just opened up a few years before, and all the gospel was fresh again in that area of the world. Um, when I was young, they talked about the Iron Curtain. Well, that was part of it, you know. It opened up. 
And these demon forces, they were figuring out that people were coming with good news and with power. And I had both because <laughs> I have Jesus. And he tried to keep me from, from preaching and ministering. You know, it took me about 20, 15, 20 minutes. But that thought, that thought pattern left. And then the feelings attached to it lifted. It lifted like a veil. Now, I said all that to say that I've been all over the world. I say I've been all over the world. I've been in missions trips a number of times. And to get there, you've got to go through various countries. But I've been to India a lot. I've been all over India. India's a big place. It's a big world. And um, I've, in India, this has occurred. And I've been to Africa. We have 12 churches under our name in Africa. And I used to go to Africa twice a year, as well as to India once that year as well. It was years ago. And, uh, but many times, uh, I've been in the aircraft on the way. Often, I look out the window, I get on the aisle seat, look down, and I could see the craggy mountains of Afghanistan. Often, I don't know why, going, going across the mountain ranges, look down there and see that nasty terrain there. And I look on the map where the airplane is, you know, the little, you could tell where you're at. And I said, wow, wow. But, but then the same thing came, the same thing, the same, first trip I took. To India, that thing hit me, and it felt exactly. I said, "Whoa, whoa! I, I, I re- where did I recognize this before?" Well, it was in, uh, it was in, it, w- it was in Latvia, and there it was again on the airplane, and it was so strong. My thoughts went awry, see, and then my emotions were inflamed with weird. I mean, just it makes you feel like n- nothing can ever work out for you ever again. You feel hopeless, lost, away from God as though you have no friend in the world. When you recognize that, that's the devil attacking you. Did you hear what I just said? So I've had that happen uh, all over Africa. You know, plane, the plane lands in Addis Ababa. We get seven or eight hour ride to our destination, South Ethiopia. And we stay in some pretty nasty places, bug infested. You just don't want to know. 15 watt bomb to light up a big old room. It's crazy. And those same spirits come. Now I recognize now. I happen to have it ha- I've had it happen so much I recognize, all right, these are demon spirits that are sent to hinder me from doing what I do. Now, I said all that to say uh, Monday in my office. I've not had that happen in a long time. Monday in my office, I minded my business. I had a podcast to do. I had uh, <clears throat> plenty of things going on. I'm by myself in my office. And one of those rascals came in my office again. And so my thoughts went awry. And my, my emotions, oh boy, I can't describe. Just lostness, aloneness, panic. I'm saying all that to say if you ever experience anything like that, it seems as though the enemy's turned, up the not, turned his schemes up a notch. And we're living in a time that the power of God's going to be explosive. And I just want you to be forewarned so you'll be forearmed. Here's how you resist the tactics of the enemy. If he ever attacks your thought life and makes you feel like you're by yourself, nobody loves you, nobody cares, God's not even listening to you. Look at where you've been, what you've done. You ain't, you're not worth talking. I mean, that kind of stuff. And then this, there's this real physical sensation, emotion that comes with it. This is not a physical thing. This is a spiritual attack. How many hear what I said? Well, that happened to me Monday. So, you know, I got up out of my chair. I began to walk back and forth. And here's what you do. You got, you know, you, how many know you have the whole armor of God? Yes or no? So real quickly, look at it right here. 
in uh, Ephesians 6 here, he says, uh, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, done all, comma, to stand. So that word withstand, uh, enthestemi. Uh, we get our word antihistamines from that. That's real interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Withstand. Uh, to say, here's what it means, to, to set over against. It's more than occasional resistance. Th- th- this is talking about when something resists you, not now, not ever. I mean, you put your guard up and you don't back up and you'll never retreat. You get a picture of a soldier he doesn't turn his back on the enemies facing him. That's, that's the idea behind that right there. So he says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. The evil day. Let me talk about the evil day. Not every day is an evil day. We live in a fallen world, and yes, the enemy attacks us. But the evil day is when you have a specific spiritual attack. Some days, hip, hip, hooray. Everything's going my way. You have those days, I do too. Other days, it's like everything that can be shaken is shaken in you. And it's like nothing's working right. What's going on? Well, the enemy attacks for various reasons and just need to be aware of those attacks. So he's talking about the evil day, the having done all to stand, stand. Stand, therefore, he says, having girded your waist. And that's a loin belt of truth, a loin belt of a Roman soldier kept the rest of the armor on. It was a belt. Take the belt off, the armor falls off. Some of you take your belt off, your pants, britches fall down. So, I mean, you know. So he says... Um, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. You know, you've got to guard these internal organs here uh, so that nothing punctures and kills you. Those are, you know, puncture your lung, puncture your heart. You could bleed to death and puncture your heart and immediately die. So you cover those, you cover that part of your person, the breastplate of right. You've got to know who you are in God. You've got to know that God loves you. You're securing Christ. You're seated with him. Got it? That's what that's talking about. And then having your feet shod with a preparation or a firm foundation of the gospel of peace. And this is a person that's walking in the word of God, walking in the will of God. You're not doing your thing, you're doing God's thing, and he's guiding your steps. That means you're, you're walking in the word, you're asking God every all throughout the day, Lord, what does your word say about this conversation, this decision, about what I got to do with this, about my family, about my children, about my relationship with this person? Lord, <coughs> what does your word say about this? And you're going there all the time. See, that's a person that has on them the firm foundation of the gospel of peace. Above all, he says, taking the shield of faith. Some translations bear the shield of saving faith that you may be able to quench all the uh, fiery tipped, you could put it that way, darts of the wicked one. And so again, the uh, um, uh, he says here again, um, uh, the shield of faith. That shield for a Roman sh- soldier was made out of leather uh, and, and you know, really thick. It was layers of leather and it was really solid and fairly heavy. And they had some, you know, things on the back to hold it. So he'd hold it up in front of him and it covered him from his head all the way to his feet. So when you saw the Roman shoulder, soldier, the first thing you saw was a huge shield. In, in the, the Roman culture, in the Roman army, you got the armor on you 
And you got things on your legs and feet and all that, but there's nothing on your back because you never retreat. There's nothing to cover the back. Somebody else got to have you six, right? So uh, just think about that shield. When the enemy comes and he's throwing those missiles, it's your shield of faith. What is the shield of faith? It's the word in your life that anytime something seeks to assault you, nope, got my shield up. You're not getting through to my mind. You're not going to hit me in the heart. You're not going to challenge my relationship with the Lord. No, not today, not ever. Hell will freeze over first, right? And then the only, only offensive weapon, he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The word for sword is... Uh, that word for sword is actually a small sword used for, for close battle, close proximity battle. They had big swords, but they had small. This was more like a dagger. Uh, so, so when you're in a hand-to-hand combat, you jab that thing. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So for us, two words for word in the Greek New Testament, the first one is logos, that's, that's this, the sum total of everything God said to you. But this one's rhema, the word of God spoken from your heart. That's what God said to me. Wait a minute, who are you to challenge what God said about me? So, so, so this happened to me in my office. I got angry. Yeah, I'm a nice guy. You get me angry, you'll see the other part of me. Now, I try not to do that physically, but spiritually, oh man, oh yeah. So I got up out of my chair. I said, devil, wait just a minute. This is my, you, 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 you have the audacity to come in my office on my territory. This is where I live. This is where I am. I spend a lot of time here. Who do you think you are? Now, in the name of Jesus, you leave. And it got stronger, not weaker. And I said, hmm. So I started walking back and forth. And every scripture started pouring out of me. Father, I just thank you. You know, devil, listen, I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. I belong to God. I'm seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Far above every one of you, principality, power, might, dominion, above every name that's named in this world and and the world to come. God's given me a transfer. He's delivered me from the authority of of darkness, translated me into the kingdom of his dear son. (laughs) In all these things, I'm not just a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. So, you know, you just start speaking the word. That's what Jesus did in his wilderness temptation. It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. You, you, uh, uh, you, you face the tauntings of the enemy with, it is written. How many get it? And when you say, in it's written, it's like taking that little short sword and jabbing, jabbing. And when you jab, you step forward. And when you jab, you step forward. And when you jab, you step forward. You don't back up. You get it? You don't retreat. Because you know who you are. Well, I did that. I did that. And, I, and, and here's an old time. You've heard me say this. Uh, Revelation 12, 11 says they overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives even unto death. Well, the blood of the lamb. There's something about the blood of Jesus. Let me just tell you, devils hate. Uh, they hate the, uh, They hate the blood of Jesus. I don't mean they dislike it. I mean they hate it. And it makes them glaringly afraid. I've cast demons out of people. I shouldn't. Um, there, there's, you know, if I think there's a devil around, here's what I do. I'll start saying stuff like this. You know, the blood of Jesus is an amazing force. 
talking to somebody. You know, the blood of Jesus is amazing. It cleanses sin. It whips devils. It shows our authority. There's something about the blood. The blood of Jesus has power. The blood of Jesus is something God loves. It's always in heaven. It's a representation in heaven of Jesus' sacrifice. He took his blood into the holiest of all in heaven and obtained an eternal redemption for us. I say, blood. Man, when you do that, devils go crazy, man. If somebody's got one, it'll manifest. I've had all kinds of crazy things happen because of that. So I said, well, by the blood of the Lamb. I said, I plead the blood of Jesus. Now, every day in the morning when I get up, I do that. Now, plead the blood of Jesus, not in Scripture. Nothing in Scripture says, well, you need to plead the blood. So don't come with me and say, well, you're doing something unscriptural. You need to hush. If you do some reading of the saints of God of yesteryear, you'll find the old line Pentecostals had a saying. Kenneth Hagin told us this when I went to Ramah over 40 years ago. He said they would plead the blood of Jesus. And, say, and I heard these old ladies who were prayer warriors. I plead the blood of Jesus. Man, they put every hair in your, on your body straight up. And if you don't have hair, you can feel the follicles rising up. What is that? There's power in the blood. So, so when you plead the blood of Jesus, what are, what are you doing? You're, you're saying, it's, it's a simplified way of saying everything that Jesus did for me. When he went to the cross, became my sin. When he died in my place, went to hell and stayed there until God was satisfied that my sin debt for it was paid. And then the Holy Spirit came on him in hell. He got back up in his glorified body and the angels rolled the stone away and he appeared to his disciples for 40 days. And then he ascended up on high and he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And I'm now seated with him in heavenly places. Far above all demonic forces. That's what you're saying when you say, I plead the blood of Jesus. So which one takes less time? <laughs> Sometimes you ain't got time. So every day, every morning, I did it this morning. Father, today I just worship you. Thank you. And I'd already prayed about stuff. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for my family. And Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over Jonathan, Sarah, Jessica, Lindsay, Susan, me. That's my immediate family and then they're and then they're they're um uh my sons and daughters-in-laws um uh, john sarah jessica lindsay susan me jeff michael christelle kelton and that's my sons-in-law's daughter-in-law and then over my grandchildren Loic, all according to age loic loic sadie maela gabriella sasha benjamin michael and now eva soon to be sage. I plead that everywhere we are and everywhere we go, Lord, thank you, that we are sovereignly protected by the angels of God. Nothing will bother my family today, devil. Keep your hands off of them. And I got stories of things that shouldn't have worked out, but do. And you can't brag. You say, say glory to God, but I'm going to tell you it works. And if you're not doing that, you're crazy. Or you're living by your own wits and your own strength and your own power. And one day, you'll find that's insufficient. You get it? So I did this, you know. So I was praying in my office and, and you know, I spoke the word. Then I plead the blood of Jesus 
over my office, over this property, over my mind. You get out of here in the name of Jesus. When you speak the name of Jesus, when you say in the name of Jesus, see, Jesus gave us the authority of the use of his name in his absence. When you say in the name of Jesus, you're really saying, I am representing the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what I'm about to say. I'm doing what he would do if he was here. He's doing other stuff. I'm his representative. Here's what you do. In the name of Jesus, get out of here. So it's like the name of Jesus is a sign check on the resources of heaven, the power of God, the authority of Jesus. When you say, in the name of Jesus, see Philippians 2 says, at that name every knee. One translation says, of beings in heaven, of beings on earth, of beings under the earth. Angels, men, and demons bow, and one day will acquiesce to that name. Demon spirits, when you speak in the name of Jesus, if you say it like a parrot, it does nothing. But if you meditate on the word about your authority in Christ, when you say, in the name of Jesus, go! Most people, when the enemy attacks them, go, oh God, help me, please, Jesus, what am I going to do? God, help me, Lord, Lord. And devils laugh at them. And say, I'll be back around your street here in about, a, about another day or so. We're going to come back and play with you a while. So it's time y'all to wake up, put on your armor, know who you are. So I was walking back and forth. You know, I spoke the word, pled the blood of Jesus, commanded those foul things to go, whatever it was. And then I just began to worship the Lord. For his praise is a weapon. He got four weapons. The word of God, the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, and praise and worship. And there's something about praise and worship. Psalm 22.3 says, You are holy. You who inhabit the praises of Israel. That word inhabit means to come down and dwell in the atmosphere with. That's Horton translation. When you worship, y'all, when you worship, heaven bends an ear. The angels of God go into action. The power of God shows up and demons just absolutely hate it and they run. Is that good? So the next time thoughts that are awry come your way, emotions that are quite squirrely and self-defeating come your way and they're really strong. Don't just say, now you know, first thing I thought was it was, a, don't just say it's a physical reaction. First thing I thought, okay, what have I eaten? What is this? This is weird. This is weird. This happened suddenly. What is it? So I looked, you know, thought, and, uh, and then I looked because I, you know, my watch tells me my heart rate. And I thought maybe I ate something, maybe too much or whatever in it. And I looked, my heart rate was low. I said, well, it's not physical. Oh, devil. Wily E. Devil's. You paid the wrong dude to visit today. I'm going to slap your jaw, son. So you got to know this about the devil. If he knows that you know who you are in Jesus and you exercise your authority in Christ every time he comes around you, the attacks will eventually lessen. They won't stop completely. But they know I'm going to get my brow bashed in if I go over here. So they're going to look for your easier target. How many hear me? You have authority. 
Take your authority and don't stand for this. How many hear what I just said? With this COVID-19 is a really strong demon spirit. And it produces such fear in people. Do I need to turn the feed off or not? I'm sure I had this last February. Because I had all the symptoms, they say, because they didn't diagnose it till March. Remember? But in my house at night, there was such a fear thing that hit me. I wrote it in my journal. It was so strong. Several nights. And I've noticed people say there's a fear. And my friends, I resisted that thing and it left me. Do you hear me? So if you've been cowering down in fear of whatever, or you just have a mental assault or an emotional assault, and you don't know where it's coming from, wake up, buttercup. Exercise your authority. Your adversary, the devil, has a roaring lion, is walking about looking for somebody with the armor down. How many hear me? And you know what? Thank God you have authority. Not just the preacher, not just the pastor. No, you have authority. You have the same authority over the devil that Jesus has. Yes or no? We need to wake up and exercise it. This is not a day to be lethargic spiritually. So said all that to say, we're going to have an awesome year. And when the enemy comes, come on, give it. Yeah. When the enemy comes in, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against it. But you, you, you use the name of Jesus. You speak the word. You plead the blood of Jesus. And get yourself in some praise and worship. And that thing Monday, about, you know, about 15 minutes or so. I told everybody the next day, I think. And, uh, you know, the truth is, once that happened, you know what I did? I said, well, devil, you, you won't come in here again. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to go make another podcast. And that's what I did. <laughs> that's what you do. You never back up. You never stop. You never quit. Because we always win. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Is that good news? So I just, you know, I just wanted to share that with you because, uh, you know, if that same imp comes your way, you know what to do, right? How many going to stand your ground? How many going to walk with God? How many going to resist fear? How many are going to speak the word? How many going to plead the blood of Jesus? How many going to speak the name of Jesus? How many going to worship the Lord? Come on up here, brother. Y'all get something out of that? Glory. You say, well, why does the enemy attack? Two reasons, when you're out of the will of God and when you're in the will of God. He's attacked. I mean, some people say, well, what do I do? I don't deserve that. No, you're living on a fallen world, you know, and the enemy, you know, he, he thinks he's got a right to be here. Adam let him loose, but Jesus is shutting him up right now. So stand up, stand up. Come on, lift your hands up and let's just worship. Father, we just worship you. Lord, I do right now, I just plead the blood of Jesus over every person in this room. 
I speak the name of Jesus over every family, over every child represented, over every spouse represented by a person in this room, over every uh, child, over every grandchild. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over family units represented in this room. Dear Father God, thank you for watching over us. Thank you for the authority that we have in Christ. Thank you. Say it out loud with me. Heavenly Father, I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm not living for myself. I'm living for Him. I'm walking with God. I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. For I've been seated with Jesus in heavenly places, far above principality, power, might, dominion, above every name that's named in this world and the world to come. And Lord, I just thank you that I'm settled with you. I'm loved by you. I'm secure in you. I'm cared for by you. The angel of the Lord encompasses round about them that fear him and delivers them around me are the angelic hosts and they watch over me and they do things for me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I am blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above, not beneath. Everything I set my hand to is blessed. I walk in the life of God. And Lord, I just give you thanks. Come on, worship. Glory to God. Glory to God.